last year and a half has taught us anything, it's that humans want and need to connect. We're not-for-profit professionals supporting adults to live, work, and grow in a rapidly changing world. We need each other to build full plans and pathways for our clients so that they can achieve life-changing goals. Whoever and wherever you are, if you support adults in learning and life, the Getting Connected podcast may be for you. Grab a coffee, give us just a few minutes of your workday, and let's connect. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Getting Connected podcast. I'm Ashley Hoth-Murray, joined by the always witty Gay Douglas. How's it going, Gay? I'm having a marvelous day, and I hope our audience is too. Uh, Thank you for the introduction. Uh, It's always fun to see how Ashley is going to introduce me. (laughs) It does change from uh, podcast to podcast. Um, Well, we have a super fun topic today, grant writing. And if you're someone like Gay, you might think that I'm being humorous, but in all truth, I am a lover of writing grant applications. The best time to write a grant is when there is lots of money available. The worst time is when you know everyone is submitting for a tiny pot of dollars. Inputs, outputs, and outcomes. Sometimes it's not about the best idea. It's about the best application. Absolutely true, Ashley. Uh, Ashley is our in-house grant writer at Literacy Link Niagara, something she does tremendously well, and I don't do so well. So I hope to learn a lot more today with our special guest. So it is my distinct privilege to introduce to you today, Brian Rump. And Brian is a consultant. He has a company called Profit Coach, and this gentleman writes grants for a living. He has written successfully over the last number of years to the tune of $25 million uh, for a variety of clients, including municipalities, colleges, small and medium business, uh, not-for-profit organizations. So he has a very broad range of clients that he works with. So we're going to hear more about Brian, and we have some very specific questions for him. Uh, so welcome, Brian. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I love talking about grants. <laughs> you and Ashley that's both. That's why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm your student today. So you can utilize me as your imaginary audience. Uh, so I have, uh, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about what you do, Brian? Because this is definitely, you are the first person I've spoken to who does this primarily for a living. Uh, yeah, I think um, it's a fun industry to look at. Uh, there are lots of companies who, you know, really just focus on grants. Um, a lot of them are contingency-based companies in um, sort of the business sector. Uh, but one of the cool things that I'm sure we'll get into is I really love with grants that no matter who you are or what program, there are certain approaches that work for all of them. And uh, that's kind of the, the fun nuances that would be great to talk about. 
Absolutely. That's great. I think many, much of our audience probably receives some sort of core funding, perhaps, from a government source. But I know many, many uh, that are tuning in are also very reliant on those additional grants from foundations, from other sources, from different levels of government. So uh, really anxious to hear uh, about what you do. And uh, we have some questions to guide our conversation today. And the first thing I would like to ask you is when you are considering writing a grant, what's the first thing you need or our audience needs? So uh, where, do, where do you start before even starting to write your grant? Yeah, so I always start with, um, whether it's a business or a not-for-profit, is starting with your own purpose and why you exist and what it is you're trying to do. Uh, the biggest mistake you can make with grant money I think is to chase grant money or to do a project because there's a grant. So when you have that filter of who are we and what are we doing, it helps you understand the projects that you might be looking for funding for. Um, so really before you even start looking for grants, you, you need a good idea of what kind of grants you even wanna look for. Um, and what are those things that you might need to help either grow or deliver your mission better. Could I just sort of clarify, this is helpful. Um, so what you're saying is don't look at the grant posting and say, what can I do to fit into it? Should we all sort of have a, a list of potential projects that when the right opportunity exists, we can draw upon that is absolutely um, a lot in alignment with our mission, vision, values? Um, I think so. And I think, you know, there's always a bit of both. Sometimes you look at grants and what's available and some ideas come to you. Uh, but if I'm working on an engagement with someone and I'm doing a grant strategy for them, I typically start with, okay, what's that list of what you're doing? Um, and how can we now be on the lookout for grants to fit that? Because um, the reality is there are... Um, you know, there's some different numbers people have paid to try to figure out, but, you know, billions or at least millions of dollars in grants. Uh, there's thousands of programs. I remember a Ontario general report where Ontario had a hard time even defining the numbers of grant programs and grants they had. You know, they heard numbers like 1,500, but they struggled to even get a real number. But there's there's just so many out there. So you really need to have a good idea of who you are and what you're looking at um, so that you don't get lost in searching through um, way too much data. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, let's talk about outcomes. Now, that is one of my favorite things. I love outcomes. How do you define an outcome, uh, Brian? And uh, why do funders care so much about outcomes? Yeah, so grants and um, incentives are always designed to incentivize something. So they're rarely, oh, here's a bunch of money, you know, good for you, you do some great work, you know, have some money. It's more like they are paying you for an outcome, and that's typically to strategically guide something. So whether it's um, uh, like a business, so for example, a few years ago, there was a fund called the Local Food Fund. And it was incentivizing businesses for more Ontario um, processed food. 
So instead of shipping our raw materials out, they wanted you to turn it into something here um, and sell it here, which is why we have a lot more, you know, artisan soups or, um, you know, different types of goods that are, you know, made in Ontario. So that outcome was, you know, connecting people in Ontario to food that's growing in Ontario. Uh, when you look at not-for-profits, um, you know, I, I'm actually also volunteer president of a Victoria County Career Services, an employment agency. Their funding is specific for, um, you know, employment outcomes. You know, they do a million things, but it really comes down to how many people are employed at the end. So you have to make sure that a, you define those outcomes and be specific. Um, and B, they align with what the grant program's for. Because um, if you get confused, you won't be successful. And I've, I've seen it with consultants sort of crossing their wires and they'll, they'll write a grant in a style for one program, send it to another one. And it might be the same project, but they have framed it to do completely different things that don't align. Um, and your chance of success goes way, way down. So you really have to customize according to the available grant and, and make it specific to their the desired outcomes of that program. Yeah, I, I wrote one last week for a community project, and I went through sort of why the program exists and the things they were looking for. And I just kind of wrote all of that down. And then I made sure I was writing to support that. Um, and then I made sure I could put numbers to almost anything that I could, that you could quantify to be really specific and lay out different uh, outcomes. And, and you don't have to be long with them. No. Sometimes I'll have a series of statements, you know, we're going to do these five things, increase this 10%, increase this by five or what, whatever. And I think that's the stuff that helps the people scoring the grant. Right. Know that, hey, you've thought about the outcomes. So that probably means this project will be more successful than someone who hasn't thought about the, uh, they've just thought about getting the money. It can be measured. Like we're talking about measure. You just kept saying numbers and, yeah. and uh, yeah, things that are measured. Yeah. Um, funders want to know that it's not just this lovely outcome that you say that you can do. You have to be able to. Uh, to articulate it by the end of the, the funding. Yeah. And sometimes that's a huge, a huge issue as well, right? People think that they uh, can do all of these activities and then they've run out of the time to actually measure the activities. Evaluation's got to be key um, with funders. They want to make sure that money's been well invested, I assume. Yeah, and that's typically the number one thing I, I always... Um, so I'm going to bring in some language from a concept called story brand. Um, so one of my other hats and when I do marketing consulting is a concept of um, building a story brand. And in that you invite your customer into a story where they are the hero and you're the guide to help them win the day. So I didn't realize I was doing this, but when I approach the government, I always think of that reviewer who is probably overworked they're probably stressed. So how do I help be the hero? How do I make it so easy for them to read my application, tick off their tick lists, 
and take that piece of paper to their boss and say, hey, I think I have a, a good one here. So mm. you want to really align that, make it you know simple. You don't have to o- overthink everything, um, but really sort of invite them into a story where they're, they're the hero of the story and you're giving them something to sort of have a badge for their career. And Brian, I've just got to say uh, that when we might think, or some of us might think about grant writing as a sort of a dry activity, what you're saying is you need to inspire people. You need to get people excited about the cause and about the results that this grant may allow to happen. Yeah, and that those align with what their purpose and outcomes are because they, you know, they're getting to deliver programs that ideally are doing something. And if that money doesn't get used or it doesn't re- achieve those outcomes, they're probably not going to get more of that money. Um, and some programs, you know, they get recharged too, and they have to ask for money to sort of stay in existence. Or if it works really well, like the Ontario Local Food Fund one, like it's not around anymore because I think it worked really well. And then they've changed where they're putting that money. So that would be a a resounding success. Um, But if it wasn't successful, it wouldn't exist. So help those those grant reviewers or those grant teams, uh, you want to help them grow their careers as well as, you know, people who can successfully deliver on those programs. That's such a great Great. way to think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never, um, I must admit, I've been writing grants for a long time. And uh, I'd like to say that I've written quite a few successful grants and I've never thought of putting myself really in the personal role, the personified role of the grant reviewer. Uh, So I will be writing my... (laughs) my next grant application, trying to put the grant reviewer in the role of the hero, because that's a, such a unique spin spin on it. Well, Brian, you've touched on quite a few mistakes, but I'm just wondering, is there any other mistakes you'd like to touch on that people often make when they're, uh, when they're grant writing? I think one of, yeah, there's um, sort of several. Another one is um, trying to be I think there's a myth that you need a lot of buzzwords or you need it to be dry. For the most part, grants are designed for, you shouldn't need a consultant to do it. You shouldn't need to hire someone. They should be accessible to the organizations who are writing it. And they're not all large funded bureaucracies. Um, So if you try too hard to write too kind of boring and too buzzwordy, Um, then you can lose your way. So just be yourself. Um, One of my favorite stories is I had um, brothers phone me once half an hour before a grant deadline. It was an agriculture processing one. They wanted to buy a new machine that was going to really help their business. Um, They had no idea how to do it. I walked them through an interview, asked them some questions about sort of productivity. And then I had probably 10 minutes to write a whole application. So some of the boxes were one sentence. We will do this. We will do that. And this will happen. And it got approved. Um, And it's one of my favorite examples because there wasn't very many words there. 
but everything was exactly sort of cut and dry. And it sounded like it came from two guys who didn't know how to write a grant, but it was well thought out. Um, it met the outcomes of what the program wanted. Um, the expense made sense for what they were doing. So like, it was really hard. It would have been really hard to say no to that one. Sounds like it was authentic. Yeah, very, it is what it is. You don't have to, you know, people will make jokes about, oh, jumping through hoops and saying what they want to say, but um, you don't have to do that. I, I have another trick that I use, which is I'll have lots, I'll throw in some spelling mistakes sometimes, or I'll weirdly capitalize things that shouldn't be capitalized, but they're, they're keywords. Um, and it just makes it, I, I guess, sound more like it's real. Like I'm not trying to game them. I'm just trying to tell you what we want to do. Oh my gosh. You I'm shocked look- right now though. Yeah. I'm about the spelling. The spelling. I died a little. It's a bad <laughs> habit because I, I capitalize weird and now I'm in the habit of, of that. So when I put my marketing hat on, there's sometimes some funny things that happen, but I've had to learn to not be a perfectionist because it doesn't um, impact the outcomes usually. That's Unless it's amazing. Terrible. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm, I don't, I don't know if I'll be able as of someone <laughs> who edits yeah. and edits and edits, I don't know if I'll be able to do that, but maybe that is an, it's an interesting tip. Cause it's a way, as you said, to highlight and you don't get the opportunity to bold underline italicize the same way in, in a lot of grant applications. Uh, so that's a, that, yeah, that's a really unique there's tip. words that are in there, what they're looking for. Mm. Sometimes those get a little capitalized because they'll jump out at someone whose their mind is numb from reading things all day that all, you know, sound the same. So it's like, oh, yeah, this one meets the, you know, criteria of uh, what they're looking for. Wow, cool, cool tip. Uh, So as we all know, we're still living with COVID. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully not for much longer, but, you know, who knows, it changes day to day. The pandemic has changed the way that organizations raise money. Uh, Fundraising has significantly decreased uh, or people have had to pivot in the way that they fundraise. And I would say that more organizations are looking to write grants than than ever before because they're looking for funding streams. So if somebody maybe has relied on fundraising before uh, and is now looking at writing a grant, what resources are out there to help them learn to write something successfully? Oh, that's a really hard one that I am looking to solve. Um, so I am putting together sort of an online course for grant writing, sort of with my perspective, my tips and tricks. Um, I think the best way is to dive into it. Uh, it takes a long time to figure out the commonalities of different grants, um, but action is always the the best way. Like hunt stuff down, answer the question. Um, That's probably the biggest thing. You know, you don't need a five university degrees to sort of read the grant question and write and respond to it Um, and, you know, test it out. Um, There are some like sort of free courses here and there. What I find is most of those are very specific to a certain type of industry or a certain type of grant. And especially if you're 
a smaller organization, or if you're someone who's searching at, for different streams of funding, different grants, um, you have to know like everyone um, does things differently in terms of their application process. Uh, they all might think they're the same, or they might think certain things mean the same thing, but it's all a little bit different. So the best way is to just jump in and try. And, you know, you don't want to apply to every single possible thing, but if you think you're kind of in line with it, then I would say just try it out and, uh, and sort of learn as you go. Yeah. I have a question further to that, uh, Brian. Many years ago, and I'm talking 25 years ago, there used to be a, a paper document called the Guide to, to Foundations and Grants. And it used to be held at places like Community Foundations and United Ways and Center for Philanthropy in Toronto. And it was a paper-based thing. Now, it seems to me that um, what has happened, of course, is everything is now online and everything has a fee now. Yeah, it's really <laughs> privatized. Right? It's really become privatized. So that wonderful document I could probably find now, but it would there would be a, a cost to it. Do you have any hints around, you know, where do you start finding your cause uh, and the outcomes you wish to achieve in some kind of central database? Yeah, so there probably isn't one. And if there is, it's not accurate. So I did work for a company I won't, um, mention their name, uh, but we were we would spend time every day sort of hunting those things up. Uh, some of the owners would sort of make stuff up because really they're they were trying to get leads from that. Hey, we have this great database. You know, give us your contact information, and um, really they want to sell you their services. Um, there's also one for businesses that I forget what it's called, but it's kind of a scam. Um, they will sell you for, you know, $1,000, you know, a list of all these grants, and most of them don't exist anymore. Um, partly because all the grants change, they change their um, deadlines, they change their names, they change between intakes, what they're looking for. Um, some of the provinces are getting better if it's government funding at having that database even canada there's i forget there's a federal website um, that has a okay search function the problem with some of those is sometimes by the time it gets posted on the website the grant's almost closed um, so if you are in that your initial hunt is good but then you really have to sort of keep a regular eye on the organizations, you want to get on email lists. A lot of them want to publish um, and promote their grant, but they don't have time to do it properly and they're not very good at marketing. But if you can get on their lists, you're more likely to get the, hey, this program's coming up uh, email um, or establish relationships with people in, in um, government who might know different types of funding that are coming down the pipeline that they can share. Right. Well, I did a really quick search just as we've been chatting and the old uh, Canadian center for philanthropy is now imagine Canada okay. at imaginecanada.ca, And they do have uh, a database called grant connect. There you go. 
Uh, so I would suggest that people might be curious about going there, knowing that the information may be uh, not updated or may have been past its prime. Uh, but it's good to know imaginecanada.ca, imaginecanada.ca, and take a look under services under Grant Connect. And I haven't clicked on the next page, so there might be a fee. <laughs> there might be, but that sounds really good, especially in the philanthropy space. Uh, most of my work has always been in government grants. There are lots of foundations that do grants. Um, some companies do them. Uh, something to keep in mind when a company does it, it's really about marketing for them. Um, so they're hard to rely on. They're usually contests, um, but you definitely can still want to um, go after those. They're harder to find in sort of central databases. Uh, same with foundations, a lot of community foundations. You know, um, if I had lots of money and wanted to set up a grant something program that was managed through those foundations, you know, it would be me setting that criteria. Um, so sometimes those are harder to navigate because you're, you're dealing with uh, people who might be a bit more subjective. The government ones typically have a bit more transparent of a score sheet, a bit more transparency in terms of the objectivity. Um, for gotcha. Excellent. Okay, great. Very, very helpful. Okay. Now we're down toward the, uh, the end of our interview today with you, Brian. And we're ending with two questions we have asked every single one of the people that we have uh, interviewed and met on our podcasts. Uh, and it's, it's, it's essentially a couple of vague questions, and they are intentionally vague because we'd like you to interpret them uh, just any way you like. So the first question is, what is the system doing well? And the second question is, what could the system do better? So let's start with what the system is doing well. Oh, that's great. Uh, I love the vagueness of that because it really makes you think, what is the system? Um, so I guess, you know, my brain, if I go to say something like grants, and I'll just say the grant system. Um, and what is it? Sorry, what's the first one? What's it doing well? Yeah, so what the grant system I think is doing well is they're getting better at transparency. They're getting better at promoting their different programs. Um, I think in general, programs are getting more specific with the outcomes and things they're looking for. Um, I think part of that is due to the having to sort of compete with the consultants um, and information. So you don't need to be an insider to get a grant anymore. You don't need to have a friend at the government who tells you what's available. It, it helps to get information a bit faster, um, but it's more accessible now. Um, you know, you, so you want to be able to apply for it and think, yes, this is for me. It's not for sort of other people. So I, I think that's what they're, they're doing well. I think what they're not doing well, if we talk about the, the grant system again, is they're always a little bit behind. I think the things that need incentivized comes that they want. Um, I think it would be great to have programs developed and launched maybe a little bit quicker, depending on what the, the outcomes they're looking for. Um, I also think they might 
be better to shut down some programs a little bit quicker. Um, I think organizations, some organizations are guilty of sticking around too long sometimes after maybe they've solved the problem and they might need to pivot to solve sort of other problems. Um, and the you know grant money could flow a bit quicker to the places that need um, the help the most. So that urgency and focus on evolving needs and certainly over the last couple of years without organizations being able to pivot um, and be resilient and do things differently. But we've certainly learned that larger bureaucratic organizations like government funders, like large institutions, they've struggled the most. Yeah, they definitely have. Well, thank you so much, Brian. Uh, as a lover of grant writing, I have walked away with some new tips to try. Um, maybe a spelling mistake <laughs> or you two. Can try that. <laughs> if I'm feeling brave. Uh, listeners, please take Brian's advice and try your hand at a new grant application. And listeners, we want to thank you for listening and we look forward to getting connected next time. Mm-hmm.